Welcome to another episode of Paul Tom Power, Power System Design's podcast on the latest in power and power design. I'm your host, Alex Paul, and today I've got Don Seufer. He's uh, the Executive Vice President at the Lexington Institute and runs their uh, energytrends.org website. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, energy consumption and all, especially as we're moving into a more granular era of what I like to call negotiated power. But before I go any further, I want to welcome you to the show, Don. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Great to talk with you. Oh, the pleasure is mine. My audience often hears me joke about the smart grid as being literally the blind man and the elephant because it literally depends upon the perspective you're looking at it as to what your needs are and what what you can provide to the picture, in fact. You know, uh, 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 the grid looks different from an energy provider as it does from an energy consumer as it does from a monitoring organization or an infrastructure management company. Everyone has a different viewpoint on the smart grid, and we're still building it as we go along, Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's been a fascinating issue. So, so my think tank, the Lexington Institute, is is uh, we, we founded it uh, 15 years ago, and we focus on issues of importance to the future of American democracy generally. And the Energy Project is our newest one. We've been doing it for six or seven years, and it was an area that when we first got into areas that that we we cared about, things like solar energy and smart grid. We found that most of what was sort of written in the think tank world was written by people with a Northern California perspective who were used to talking about these issues, and I would I would have a good conversation with them, and I would be all pleased with myself for uh, for, for for burning a cord of firewood and, and and saving fuel in my home, and they would look at me like I was the man from Mars because, of course, that's not something you can do in Silicon Valley. So we started realizing that yeah, yeah so, so so the, the you know the, the we Americans care about energy. Americans care about saving energy. Everybody likes to tell their kids that they should, you know, shut their refrigerator door and turn the light off when they leave the room. But I think at the end of the day, Americans don't really have a, a useful sense of, of the energy they use, how it relates to energy broadly, and, you know, what the impact of it is, especially when most of us get our, you know, $100 monthly household energy bill uh, so far after the fact that it's sort of hard to think about in everyday terms. So, so that was our thinking when we sat down and, and set up the uh, energytrends.org website, which really sort of has a focus on the energy we use, where it comes from, and, and the impact that, that we have on it. And hopefully we've, uh, we've done a reasonable job at uh, putting that out there in a way people can relate to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <coughs> well, pardon me. Uh, what do you see as some of the sweeping trends in the uh, space right now? Well, um, you know, we, we do see broad national trends. It, it's funny, something about energy that, you know, compared to, say, schools, when you want data on the schools, right away you can get the most recent information from your school, your city, your state. With energy, uh, you know, especially because we, we want to have good, comparable data that, that people can look at how how their state is using energy in a way that relates to how other states are using energy, and uh, the most recent data that just came out was from 2011, and that's how the U.S. Energy Department does things. So, so when you when you look at trends, it's important to look at the the, the sort of trends that we have. And we have we have uh, for your listeners, we have very specific state uh, website you know, web web pages that give very clear indications of how your state energy use patterns have gone in recent years. And then we we have a, na- a big map on on the top that lets you relate it to to the rest of the country. And, and we see a lot of the trends that, that um, in some cases, really are what you would expect from, you know, reading the newspapers and sort of paying attention every day, a trend generally uh, towards the use of, of natural gas, uh, generally speaking, across all sectors of the economy, you know, in, in New York and in, in the rest of the country, uh, 
gen generally energy use has, has gone down. We think it's important to talk about energy consumption on a per-person basis. That just, you know, otherwise it's, it's really difficult to start to compare how much, uh, you know, how much solar energy California produces on an aggregate basis or, you know, versus how much energy people in Connecticut use versus people from, from Arizona. So an important commitment that we have on our site is to do everything on a per-person basis. And we look at energy that way, you've really seen energy use overall across all sectors and really across all sources of energy generally trend downward. You know, we, we are seeing a, an increase uh, in, in natural gas use, and that's the case in New York and really, really in most states. We're starting to see real increases in, uh, in renewables, but it's important to remember that as much progress as we've made to date in, in solar and wind and, and in New York, uh, hydroelectric is, is obviously an important source of renewable energy because not every state is so fortunate as to, as to have Niagara Falls. But when, when you look at these, at the end of the day, renewables really still constitute such a small portion of our energy footprint that we wanted to figure out a way that we could evaluate states and grade it on a curve to recognize the fact that there's a lot of progress that we have to make, but also the way we do it and the way we make our policy decisions. Uh, you know, everybody's interested, or, or most everybody has some interest in renewable energy, but the way that we do it and who pays for it and how and what the overall impact on on the grid and costs and who pays for what is, is going to be important. So we really try to do that in as balanced and, and, and objective a way as possible and just sort of put the information out there for people to see. Got it, got it. Well, Don, um, I'm a Brooklynite, right? So as a person in New York, what can you tell me? Well, I, uh, I'll leave my own partisanship aside because at the end of the day, I tend to think that the best thing for all New Yorkers is to have the real power generated by Lucas Duda and his left-handed bat. <laughs> aside from that, <laughs> uh, there's an awful lot that's going on interesting in, in New York in terms of energy, and I think it really is a, a good microcosm for the rest of the country. You have a major nuclear power plant that is expected to go offline within the next decade. And, right, and what do we right? Yeah, exactly. So, so what do we do about it? And, and we obviously uh, w both shared the common experience of, of Hurricane Sandy and the impact of a superstorm. So mm -hmm. grid resilience is something that's on, on everybody's mind. And with, with Yeah, absolutely. But, but again, it's not a matter of doing nothing versus doing something. The details are, are very important, and we're seeing different models around the country. We're seeing uh, microgrids are a really interesting idea that have an awful lot of moving parts. So I, I think that it, would be, it wouldn't be accurate to say microgrids are a good idea or a bad idea because the details matter a lot, and we're seeing some different models. Like right now there's a real interesting model in Hoboken, New Jersey, that is going to use the microgrid concept to build resilience into, into the grid. And there's been mm -hmm. some discussion of that for New York. New York and, and Con Ed have really started looking at energy storage in a way that might build grid resilience. So whether it's a matter of, of you know, the, the peak load, you know, the, the, the amount of electricity everybody's using at 2 o'clock in the Thursday afternoon in the middle of the August sun, um, and storage is one strategy that, um, if it's done right and, and paid for correctly, is something that could, could have some real value. And, and obviously storage is an area that's important if we really do want to bring the amount of energy generated from renewable sources into a, a more viable footprint of the energy that we use, storage is an important part of that because obviously 
where the wind is blowing and where the sun is shining is not necessarily the same place as where the energy is going to be used and when the energy is going to be used. So, mm-hmm. Well, in fact, Don, if I may interject, if I may interject, we've actually had several guests who are uh, all literally jockeying for a piece of the New York uh, grid stability marketplace. And some of the people I've been talking to at New York Certus, you know, the Organization for Grid Development uh, here, it's between uh, next-generation lead technologies to next-generation vanadium redox flow battery technology. There are a lot of people working very hard, actually, on the on the hardware infrastructure side. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and even sort of older technologies, the te- technologies that we don't necessarily think about very often, like compressed air, is still a big part of what Con Ed is thinking about in terms of energy storage. Right, right. But you're talking about like things like injecting it into deep uh, underground chambers and such, not small-time t- stuff. Like There are companies like Active Power that actually uh, make uh, compressed air uh, backup UPS devices for short-term handoff just so they could put them in shirt-sleeve environments. But I think you're talking about like major uh, industrial and grid-level uh, sequestration-type energy projects, right? That's right. Now, grid-level... Um Energy assets, you know, uh, utility, you know, utility scale assets, whatever they are, are an important part of this conversation. And ultimately, are they are they worth the investment? Are the, who who is going to have to make the investment? Is the utility company going to be in a position where it can expect to recover so, some significant amount of the costs? but done so in a regulatory environment where they're doing it fairly so that the people who are paying for it are paying an appropriate amount. These are all questions that public policy has really yet to get its, you know, to get its arms around because, because generally you know, energy is regulated at the state level and state energy mm-hmm. regulators and utility regulators have gotten really good at some basic things, but it takes them some time to do that, and, and ultimately they're regulators, so they're responsive to a system. So they're dealing with questions that not only have they not dealt with before, but really around the country, hardly anybody has, has dealt with before. And these are some, some sophisticated scenarios, kind of you know, like the ones that you described, and where we mm-hmm, go with these. Mm-hmm. And ultimately what our interest is, is, is how it's going to affect you know, the, the, the household utility consumer, who is, who is at the receiving end of what really is a government monopoly and, and, and who's looking out for their interests and not to say that they don't want to make the investment, but that we can sort of bring to light what the important considerations are that decide ultimately if it's in their best interest or what details are most in their interest is uh, sort of where the state of play is on these issues, I think. Right. So now, um, Don, I know we could talk for literally ever on this. Why don't you give us a little bit more of a quick summary of what you can do at Lexington and on the site, and then uh, we'll have to wrap up, unfortunately. Well, sure. We'd love for, for your, your listeners to take a look at energytrends.org and let us know what they think. We, we really are trying to do this on a simple level so that people can click on New York or click on whatever their home state is, get a sense of, of the energy that you're using. Uh, we provide some background. We, we give scores. We give uh, we give rankings for states for the the amount of energy that states use on a per pu- or per person basis we give uh letter grades to evaluate where states are with renewable energy and and new york gets a c because we're doing this on a curve and new york has done a lot of things with regard to renewable energy that are ahead of most states so so even though new york gets a c it's still in the the top quarter of of states in the country because you know at the end of the day renewable energy is still a small part of the footprint 
but how to do it in a way that's sustainable and not just sustainable based on purely infusing you know tax dollars into into the situation but doing it doing it so that renewable can make sense and be and be sustainable and stand up on its own uh, to whatever extent it can without relying entirely on government subsidies these are areas that that people can read about on our website and we'd love to hear from them Excellent, excellent. Well, and uh, you're preaching to the choir because I think uh, a greater sense of energy awareness and uh, the proper mechanisms and technologies to integrate all of that into a proper, properly, what I like to say, intelligent grid, because smart grid is just like a smart ass. Anybody can be smart. The key is to be intelligent. I think we need to have an intelligent grid, not a smart grid. So I'm hoping maybe that will catch on as well. But we are definitely entering a world of negotiated power and a higher uh, level of awareness on that for energy. But what I also would like to do, Don, is um, I give all of my guests the opportunity to have the last word. Uh, I'm definitely bringing you back because this is a moving target and we can have another chat at another time on another show. But for now, what thoughts, ideas, tips, anything you'd like to leave with the audience before we close out the episode? Well, uh, terrific, and thanks, and I look forward to it. So New Yorkers, on the whole, are some of the the lowest users of energy. New Yorkers, on a per-person basis, use the second lowest energy in the country. And they do it for a number of reasons, partly because the population in a lot of the state is so dense, partly because public transportation is so good compared to other states. New Yorkers use a lot more mass trans- transit than, than people in other states. Um, but, but sometimes there are parts of the energy that you know, we use and, and how energy gets used that, that people, people could, could always use a better sense of really how it relates to them and how, it, how the, by, by learning more about that energy, how they can manage their own household and business energy use in a way that really makes sense for what they want to do. And hopefully we've created a resource that lets people do that. And if, uh, if people have ideas on how to make it better, we'd love to hear from them. Excellent. Well, hey, Don, thank you so much for being on the show. And like I said, we're definitely going to drag you back. But for now, we'll have to let you go. But thanks. It's a pleasure. Look forward to it. Thanks. Oh, pleasure's mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us because we wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Paul Tom Power. Have a great day.